Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to your Halloween edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Jake Cunningham. We've got some spooktacular guests this week. And as they say, if you've got it, haunt it. Joining me in the studio is a man who's so tired of my intros, he's developed resting witch face. It's Sam Howlett. Hi. <laughs> and with film writing for Variety, The Eye and Sight and Sound, she's turning this podcast from a bunch of basic witches into absolute squad ghouls. It's Catherine Slay. Oh dear, oh dear. Hello. Hello. How are we doing, guys? Good. Yeah. Is that the most bits in a minute you've done? I think so, yeah. That, that's, I'm BPM, my, my... your bits per minute. Yeah, yeah that's it. Um, and yeah, this week, isn't it's not necessarily just Halloween the date, although I'm sure we're all very excited about that. We're talking about the new film from David Gordon Green, um, which is the, which entry, what number entry, 13? Uh, this is 11. I think that's right. But it's also number two. Yeah. Right. Because they delete all of what's happened in between. Right. Okay. Um, so I've decided to host this episode on Halloween because, as an informed viewer, this is the first Halloween film I've seen. So I just thought I would be the perfect person to lead this conversation into. It's so the... perfect how things work out sometimes, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. Just a. You've great... been waiting to talk about this film for years. I, I have. Know. Yeah. Uh, I remember telling you my love for Halloween <laughs> franchise years ago. <laughs> you said oh, I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, and I never saw another one. So, uh, Halloween, it's directed by David Gordon Green and a bit of a weird choice uh, when this was first announced, yeah. uh, written by Danny McBride as well. Um, and David Gordon Green's one of those sort of completely bananas people where they're either making brocore kind of Seth Rogen comedies or they're making these like gentle Terence Malick sort yeah. of indie, um, or apparently now they're making Halloween. Yes. Yeah, I think it's coming after a long run of these kind of auteur directors that grew up in the 70s and 80s that are now softly remaking their favourite films. Right. So, like, J.J. Abrams making a Star Wars film that's kind of a remake of the first Star Wars. Uh, Ryan Coogler directing Creed, which is kind of a soft remake of Rocky and sort of a reboot of that franchise as well. Well, well, they're calling it, it's like the Reboot Court or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're kind of, they're sequels to these films, but they're also kind of softly remaking them as well. Jurassic World. Jurassic World, exactly. Um, You know, you say, obviously, you've not seen any of the other films, but I don't think you have to. The way that they're approaching these things is this should also work for you if if you're new to the franchise. um, And think uh, there are so many kids watching the new era of Star Wars who are dressing up as a Ray or a Kylo yeah, Ren yeah. who have 
no idea what their links are to anyone else. Um, yeah. but that and hopefully matter. now six-year-olds dressing up as Michael Myers and yes. terrifying <laughs> living hell out of us. Yeah, definitely. Six-year-olds should be watching this film. It's entirely suitable. That's yes. a Curzon-endorsed statement. Yeah. If you are a six-year-old, find another six-year-old, find an enormous trench coat and get yourself into yes. Halloween. So, as I said, I don't know this film, really, uh, or this franchise, but there's a reason that you two are in this room, um, because I wanted to pick two people who I know love Halloween, love John Carpenter. Mm. Um, so before we delve into this new film, can I just ask you both about your relationship to the first Halloween, the Halloween franchise as it developed, and maybe John Carpenter as well? Yeah, I mean, let's start with Carpenter, the governor. Uh, he's one of my favourite directors. Uh, I would say he's one of the most reliable directors if what we're relying upon him to do is create a completely mad image that will stick with you to the grave. Um, if what we're relying upon him to do is to create a flawless piece of filmmaking, then he's not that guy. Yeah. Uh, he's got an incredibly sort of up and down CV. Uh, you've got something like The Thing, which I would say is one of the greatest horror movies ever made, maybe one of the greatest movies ever made. But then you've also got sort of ropey old nonsense like The Ward. Um, he's not consistent, but I like that about him. He's not a cookie cutter director at all. Yeah, and I think he, he's someone that grew up loving like genre films. And I think he makes really, really good like American genre films. And he makes them in this weird, they, they sort of look like weird, dark, quirky cult films, but does it in a kind of mainstream genre way. And he really sort of blends those two things together really well. He's a little bit Garth Marenghi, a little bit John yeah, Carpenter, yeah. author, visionary, dreamweaver. Yeah, yeah. And he, and he does composer. everything. Yeah, he yeah. does everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's responsible for some of the best scores in his own oeuvre and um, I would say you know, the wider field of film composition. And it's not in that sort of lush or orchestral sense that a lot of people might think of classic film scores. He does a lot with very little, mm. um, which I guess brings us kind of neatly to Halloween, an incredibly low-budget well, film. That... He's, I, I, do, I think of him as a bootstrap filmmaker. <laughs> right? um, on the tube over here, we talk about the era of like his first films, and you're thinking of a lot of stuff that was ending up in theatres was made by like three guys on a weekend yeah. with a bucket of glue. Yeah. Um, and he feels part of that, but then somehow managed to turn that into multi-million dollar franchises. Yeah. So Halloween, like, it came out on Halloween in in seventy eight, I believe, and it took a it took a while for it to build up because it was initially just shown at like drive-ins and double features and midnight screenings. It took a while for it to kind of break out of that kind of B movie, just knockoff horror movie. And it was even it was after the New Year that it started to get popular. And it was in cinemas okay. for like nearly a year just because it was such a slow build to get really popular. And yes. it re-released the Halloween after as well. And 100% that era when it wasn't all about the first weekend, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, do or die. You could sort of hang around and have a real slow burn of a hit. Yeah. And this absolutely was that, as you say, like not the most auspicious start to one of the most successful horror franchises of all time. Yeah. It was put together by a couple of producers who wanted someone to direct, I think it was going to be called The Babysitter, the Babysitter Murders. Murders. Yeah. Um, so... You know, really considering what it's gone on to do, uh, an incredibly um, kind of underwhelming beginning in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And nowadays, like, no one would be caught dead releasing a film on Halloween. Like, that, yeah. is, like, that, that is the last date that you would ever yeah. conceive of showing it. Like, once it gets into November, you're done. I mean, this year alone, we got Halloween, 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 2nd of November, Nutcracker. It's over. <laughs> uh, it's like nothing yeah. will have that lasting yeah. power. Um, and yeah. even on Halloween night, people are 
staying in and watching a spooky film at home it's the weeks up to Halloween mm. is where you make your money and it really kickstarts the whole uh, slasher cycle mm. of the 80s as films that come before it Texas Chainsaw Massacre Black Christmas that kind of thing but this is the one that uh, really establishes the tropes you know mm. the, the sort of the POV of the killer stalking the helpless babysitter the final girl mm-hmm. trope or arguably kind of originates and find its, finds its legs here yeah. in Laurie Strode um, who we should talk about because oh, yeah. um, yeah. she's one of the sort of even more so than Carpenter one of the enduring figures of the franchise yeah. so mm. she was in Halloween 1 and Halloween 2 which takes place directly after Halloween 1 uh, Halloween 3 doesn't have Michael Myers in as a different like an anthology film where they were trying to experiment with what the Halloween franchise could be Right. Some it's, really funny nonsense about it, sort of Stonehenge like a, and yeah, bringing like back a, the evil toy manufacturer. Curse of the Druids and yeah, yeah really Na- bananas. Mad film. <laughs> okay. And there's like, is this happy, a, happy Halloween. It's uh, uh, How many perfectly rendered. Uh, just the first one. Oh, right, he wrote okay. the second one and I think he wrote the third one because he was the driving force to take it away from Michael Myers oh, and make see. it this kind of anthology, Twilight he's owned, each film's a different story. Cool. Didn't work at all. So Halloween 4 is the return of Michael Myers. Halloween 5 is the revenge of Michael Myers. <laughs> Halloween 6 is the curse of Michael Myers. <laughs> then Halloween 7 is Halloween H2O 20 years later, which uh, Jamie I think Lee underrated. came back. I think it's really good. Mm. And she comes back into it. She's well, now... Laurie does. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's changed she's, her name. She's a, she's a head teacher at school. Yeah, Josh Hartnett is, is her, her son. son. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's sort of... And that director is really good as well. I've uh, forgotten his name, but he's done a lot of the sort of teen horror of that era. He directed four episodes of Dawson's Creek, mm. including the pilot. Like He's yeah. got a really good sort of heritage uh, in that sort of Scream era. Steve Milner. That's the guy. Mm. And, then, and then... so I'm, well, I'm quite impressed at just this... This, <laughs> this uh, memory man yeah. feat. Uh, so Laurie Strode kills Michael Myers at the end of Halloween H2O 20 years later. Right. But then that movie was suddenly a hit. So they did a, another one called Halloween Resurrection... Where it was actually, it wasn't Michael Myers she killed. It was a like a paramedic that was gagged and had a Michael Myers mask put on him. And then that's where Michael Myers, spoiler, finally kills Laurie Strode. Right. The rest of Halloween Resurrection, have you seen it? Is set in this weird like reality TV show. <laughs> I mean, trying to keep track of the relationships yeah. and adoptions and yeah. revealed to be somebody's son so or a police. Yeah. The, the Halloween franchise has one of the most convoluted yeah. mythologies of any of the horror franchises. It's sort of a bit like a European telenovela in terms of um, <laughs> the probability yeah. of <laughs> these sudden reveals um, of relationships. And I think one of the good things that the new film does is to just go, nope, no, no, no. none of that ever yeah. happened. Etch so, a sketch, erase all of that. In the second one of the original run, it's revealed that Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. Right. Um, but, and that's kind of where their relationship, that's that, what their relationship is, and that's kind of what they say. Oh, that's the reason why he's came, come after her all these years. Um, anyway, then it was remade with Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. And that's just a whole new plot. A whole new Mike. plot. Right. Yes, Rob Zombie was given permission to do it as long as he sort of uh, tried to make it his own and not, not extend this uh, mad mythology. So, I mean... I don't know. I think Halloween is strongest when it is at its most minimal yeah, and not absolutely. getting into nonsense to do with what the mask means. And yeah. it's a sort of great irony of what we were talking about earlier that the film starts from such simple origins from a William Shatner mask purchase for sort of under two dollars from uh, a store, and then that the franchise that grows from that tries to make so much of all of yeah. these like little pieces of happenstance and things that know, weren't yeah. intended that way in the first place. It's um, it's a well, relief to see it get away from all of that. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, I'll just quickly delve into this this new one then, which is, confusingly enough, called Halloween as <laughs> yeah. well. Um, so uh, you might have thought this franchise was done, but Michael Myers still has terror to give. 
40 years after the fateful night of John Carpenter's original Halloween, he's back, but this time Laurie Strode is ready for him. Uh, David Gordon Green helms his terrifying sequel with the blessing of Carpenter, who has contributed to a new score. So, we've gone through all of the Halloweens. Mm. How does this film work as part of this franchise? How does this film work as a film by itself? I mean, as we're saying, it's sort of not part of the franchise in yeah. terms of plot. It's just it says like that was all nonsense, and now we're starting again, which is quite nice. Mm. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis gets to uh, join that cinematic heritage of women who've been through a trauma and come out the other side absolutely mm. nails hard. Uh, she's a sort of Sarah Connor, yeah, heavily tooled yeah. up. Um, almost Ripley, military alien, aliens, yeah, yeah absolutely Ripley and I think that's a nice kind of place to take the final girl trope yeah 100% uh, it's interesting that this this film has skipped out the past 40 years because I do feel like this film feels like the four years still have happened In the, it's a weird it's a weird feeling this film has for right. someone that's seen the, all these films well, that even all... though this film says oh no they didn't happen you still feel like everyone talks about Michael Myers as if he is this machine that has killed like hundreds of people yes yes that's true because from the point of view of this film he's only killed about three people yeah 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 yeah. it's pretty low body count in the first one compared to the others yeah all right maybe Um, that explains the full hardiness of the podcasters who go after him which is uh, one of david a very david gordon (laughs) green touch has a couple of podcasters investigating the you know the man behind the mask and um obviously it all goes well for them and that's a really (laughs) good idea it's it works out stunningly yeah um, well, let's uh, let's go into the opening scene, which mm. I think is maybe one of my favourite scenes from the film, where uh, these two investigative podcasters uh, go and find Michael at the facility he's being kept in, and he's being kept in this orange jumpsuit out in a yard to a chain, and there are kind of forty other guys yeah. all in tied to a chain that have a certain a very a very can... nuanced take on the mental health system of America <laughs> I'm very much how Jake approached me to be on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> Catherine has like an a, a orange square around her that we can't go past I'm yeah. wearing a mask you can't <laughs> see it and but... one of these journalists uh, in just like a really delicate move to try and get some nice conversation out of Michael just holds up the mask and starts screaming, screaming at him. <laughs> why he's been allowed to yeah. do this by the facility I yes. uh, don't know but um, and it just the the chains start rattling of everyone else and they're almost like howling like wolves and it just kind of amps up and amps up and it cuts to this wide of seeing everyone just going mad yeah. and then it cuts goes to black and you just hear and there's this like that when that score kicks in like the room that I was in like gave a cheer yeah yeah it was brilliant um, even though I've got no reference point to why um but I know the music, yeah. and it was great. Wow, this music's great. <laughs> People are loving this. Uh, and then the, the titles are just the traditional Halloween font, and then this pumpkin that mm. has been uh, allowed to go like mouldy and collapse, kind of reforming in reverse. Yeah. To me, that was that was kind of what this this film needed to do, was kind of regrow reverse and the mould, rever- yeah, the exactly. rot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, forget about the Rob Zombie years. I think there's uh, there are things to find in sort of, as we said, Halloween H2O, but it's a great thing that they've disposed of the rest of it into the compost heap where it belongs. Yeah. Mm. And so we are, we are with these podcasters. Um, and they are the worst people in the world yes, as well. They are. Yeah, people that run podcasts. Yeah, they're terrible. terrible. And but they, they, are, they are supposed to be these kind of like true crime, like sort of they want to be serial, I guess, yeah. is the... I think it's a nice into. little comment as yeah. well on uh, that idea that you as a journalist are 
sort of allowed to go poking around in, in yeah. trauma for entertainment, <laughs> yeah. which I have a, an ambiguous relationship with cr- yeah. true crime podcasts. I think so they're fascinating and they're gross and it's like looking under a rock and mm. there's all the the worst of humanity. Um, and at the same time, you're like, is this OK? I don't know if this is OK. So it feels like a, a kind of continuation of what was established in the original Halloween, which was a fairly uh, reactionary morality play. The kids who are supposed to be looking after young children, but instead go off and drink and have sex. You know, Michael Myers is coming for you. And in this iteration, if you are a sort of slightly cynical journalist, Michael Myers is coming for you. It's a (laughs) different era. Well, if you're just a kid that wants to dance, yeah, Michael Myers is coming. Kids shouldn't dance. Yeah. um, I think there's there's one bit where he kind of walks near a baby when everyone's Mm. kind of stomach lurched for a bit. And it's nice to know that he has some rules. (laughs) <laughs> there, there is a line, um, but I think for everyone else, is everyone else is fair game for Michael in this film. Yeah, he kills um, a lot of people in this film. And as you say, he walks. Um, we don't consistently uh, see him ever break into a run, which is one of my favourite things about Michael Myers. Uh, I think it's one of the things I have in common yeah. with Michael Myers. Like, <laughs> I don't like breaking a sweat or, or jogging. And uh, along with the POV shot, it's sort of making a lot of effort to help us identify with the face of evil. Mm. And so... Uh, in being transported between prisons, mm-hmm. um, Michael... On uh, Halloween. On Halloween. Good yes. idea. Normal Sensible. Thing. Yes. Norm- normal thing to do. Um, Michael manages to escape. Spoilers. Spoilers yes. for Halloween. Yes. Um, and there is one person who's perhaps at the top of his shopping list for this evening at Halloween. Did you say uh, shopping list or chopping list? Oh, oh, I should have said chopping list. Yeah, she's... Top of the chops. It's yeah, a, oh dear. Yeah. I'm just You're trying in the to, right room. I'm trying to fit in with the puns, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake. Um, no, that's, that's spot on. Okay, yeah, lovely. Yeah. We are introduced to Laurie maybe quite like 10, 15 minutes into the film. Yeah. Um, and she is gone gone a bit panic room. Um, she we, we meet her daughter, Judy Greer, mm-hmm. uh, and we established that her life being Laurie Strode's daughter was very hard because Laurie has just spent 40 years kind of locking every door. um, Very paranoid, mm. uh, sort of militarised her family, which I thought was a really great change for Laurie's character because when I found out they were bringing Laurie Strode back, I was a bit, oh, I don't really know what this film is then. Mm. Because, you know, I... I was just—it was just—it just felt weird. It just—I wasn't sure what this film wanted to be. But now that I've seen it, I know that actually it's a great idea to bring her back, and I think she is the thing that makes it worthwhile bringing this franchise back. Although I do still want to see the idea that was floated for one of the sequels, and I think ends up in one of the graphic novels. Um, I don't think he's ever seen the screen yet, but uh, where Michael exists throughout the film, and then his mask is ripped off, and it's Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> Amazed that that never went to screen. Oh, that sounds like the, the human raptors from Jurassic Park <laughs> yeah. Four. How did this not happen? <laughs> um, Maybe for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> what, the human raptors combined with Laurie Strode? Yeah. yeah. Uh, name a more iconic duo. Yeah. Like the greatest franchise team up. I'm, I'm into it. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So once, we, once we've seen Michael escape and once we've seen uh, Laurie kind of bolting up the house and we know it's Halloween night, mm. ultimately we know where this film is going. Uh, and then it's really maybe an hour of seeing Laurie and her family be paranoid yeah. uh, and seeing Michael doing some brutal kills. And it's a great time, isn't it? Oh, it's a fantastic time. Uh, the brutality of the kills. Yes. Um, there's a particularly good, um, well, I guess we don't want to spoil all of it, but a, it's a particularly sloppy moment involving a stompy boot. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I put it like that, it sounds quite cute. It is not Stompy cute. boot. Uh, oh, Jake old, had to leave the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I, went to, I went to the loo. Jake collapsed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you keep telling yourself that. Yeah. Um, he was <laughs> there, is, there is a really great moment involving a in, in a garden with a uh, movement sensor that turns a light on in the garden and uh, you can guess who kind of slips by between the light turning on and off yeah Uh, there's fantastic moments like that just really simple scares I think that's what I really liked from it nuts and bolts like Carpenter would have wanted like just down to bare basics what do the audience want to see what do they want to know here's what we'll give it to them. Yeah, and we, we were talking on the way here about the elements of a slasher and like whether something like Saw, Saw is a slasher because of like how complicated the kills mm. are. And it, like, this is, it's a man with a knife. Um, and ultimately, yeah. I felt more scared in this than I would with any of those films. Yes, uh, I mean, it's just way more plausible, isn't it? Um, I, the original, I, I did forget, actually, I rewatched it um, yesterday. And I had forgotten how many moments there are where he's sort of done some needlessly elaborate and complex tableau purely for the point from you know, like to scare Laurie, maybe. But also it seems like it's got such an awareness of the audience. It feels yeah. like Michael knows he's being watched by an audience who's mm. cheering him on uh, with the result that you do get a number of those. Um, do you know the, uh, the term boot crabs moments? The boot crabs moment. OK, so a boot... Boot Crab's moment is named after I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right. Um, it's that moment where um, in the film Jennifer Love Hewitt is looking in the boot of her car and there's a corpse there and it's crawling with crabs and, and goes to get her friends, as, yeah. as you would, uh, comes back. It's clean. There's there's not even yeah. like a little crab that's got left behind. It's like a completely impossible level of elaborate planning and logistical difficulties that a killer <laughs> <Yeah>. overcomes <laughs> purely for what us, the audience. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and the original Halloween actually did, although it has this reputation for simplicity and sort of starkness, it, there are quite a few boot crabs moments. Mm. Um, people falling down out of airing cupboards and, and the sort of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still a hoot though, and Absolutely. I'd also forgotten how bad some of the acting is. Like really terrible. Yeah. Do you remember the bit in the first one that always it always sort of takes me out of the film a bit where um one of the girl the girl that like go like spills something on her outfit and goes to like clean it in the washing machine and she's singing she about her boyfriend. Of... She goes, Ma Paul P A O U L There's some extraordinarily early scenes of like seventies porn yeah. in yeah, yeah, that yeah. film. Like she spilled a tiny bit of popcorn butter on her top <laughs> and she takes almost all of her clothes off. Uh, and then goes and gets sort of yeah. stuck halfway in and out of a window for no reason. <laughs> it's not a graceful moment. Um, and yeah, I think uh, if we're sort of saying, oh, lots other slasher films, so silly, so ridiculous, it's important to remember that there was a lot of oh, yeah. ridiculousness in the original. Yeah. I think this film carry, carry, carries over that simplicity, but it also carries over some of the sillier moments 
mm-hmm. that a slasher yeah. film is capable of. And that's great. Yeah. It's great that it has that fun as well. Yeah. But it has that fun with the younger generation. It's generally yeah. um, like a kid who wants to go to prom who's going to end up impaled on a fence. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah, post-death again. Yeah. Um, why has he put him on a fence? Yeah. For fun. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Laurie is, is taken very seriously. You know, She is not going to get stuck half in and half out mm. of her militarised uh, hideout in her underwear. That's not mm. going to happen. Yeah. Well, um, it's great to talk about the original film there because uh, we, we mentioned about the, the new Star Wars and the new Jurassic World and how they reframe their stories for audiences. Mm. Um, but I'm curious how the this new film relates to its original counterpart uh, in terms of like towing that line between appreciation and mimicry. Because mm. there, there are moments that got a proper roar from the crowd that I was in, like uh, this aerial shot over yeah. a rooftop and things like that. Um, and to me, that got it just right because I'm I didn't come out of that film feeling alienated yeah. uh, because of what I hadn't seen. And I think maybe a like a Jurassic World or something leans too hard into what you know already yeah, from the franchise yeah. to get out of it as a new viewer. Yeah, I don't think it's doing that thing where it's sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, you were there when it all began. I yeah. think it's pretty accessible for a new audience, although, I mean, you're the new audience, Jake. Did it work for you? Oh, yeah, completely. I, I, I had a great time and I look forward to going back to that first one and mm. maybe not the ones in between. Um, <laughs> Why oh, not? you've got to see yeah. Season of the Witch. It's a, <laughs> an absolute yeah. time. And you should watch um, Curse of Michael Myers because that's a cult and it's called The Curse of Thorn. Right. Oh yeah, the thought. Oh my goodness. There's so much. <laughs> and Paul Rudd. Nonsense. Halloween oh, Six right. is introducing Paul Rudd in the credits. And he's what's supposed to kill a baby because it's the future. Michael. I yeah, can't remember. But he's, like, he's the nonsense. kid from the first one, grown up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're not allowed to be in the first Halloween film without turning out to have this ludicrous interwoven <laughs> backstory. It's uh, yeah. Oh, third extra from the left, probably Michael's. Yeah. You know, future grandmother who's been through a time warp arranged by the druids of Stonehenge in order to <laughs> hijack her. TV network. Uh, like, I mean, the whole thing is, just, yeah, it's, uh, I think the good thing about the Halloween franchise as a whole is how stupid it is. And the mm. good thing about these films that now bookend it is that they are not that. Yeah. And um, so th- this film is, is been out for a week. Uh, yeah. And it is a humongous success. Yeah. Um, it is the second biggest opening for a horror ever mm. after it. Um, after what? After it. After what? After it. After what? After it. After what? After Stephen King's it. Stephen King's what? Oh, it's, uh, are you, you going to cut this out? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, because it's not funny. <laughs> uh, so anyway, after it, which made 126 million uh, at the box office, which is crazy for a horror. Yeah. Like that, for an opening weekend, that was utterly mad that that made that much money. Um, and this came in with like 78 or something, which is still huge. This mm. is coming off a 10 million budget. Uh, in its opening week, it's going to make 150 or something. Horror is... must be the most profitable genre, is it? I mean, in terms of what yeah, you have to spend on it compared it to what it yeah. what it makes. So, it's... what like Get Out ended up doing like 400 off of five. Yeah, like, yeah. Amazing. Paranormal under a million. Yeah, budget made. Mil- multiple, multiple millions. Why are people even making other kinds of films? Yeah. Just don't <laughs> yeah, just make horror films. Yeah. Um, but what that does mean for this, uh, after us say, like spending a lot of this conversation talking about how terrible these sequels are and how needless they were, we're definitely going to get a sequel to this. Film, I know, surely. Yeah. Um, oh, 100%. I'm like, what, are you now, do you feel rejuvenated in this franchise? Do you feel excited about the prospect of that? In I a way, know. I do, but I feel like this was a closing. I love bookend. endless franchises marching on forever. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, they're sort of 
powerfully emotional to me and that some of my first kind of encounters with these sorts of films was actually not even through the films themselves. It was leafing through like the Time Out film guide mm. um, and sort of noticing, oh my goodness, there are 10 Halloween films yeah. out there. And the, the, the hilarity of those... The fi- uh, this goes for sort of any of those long-running fr- horror franchises, Freddy Krueger and, and Jason and all of them. All of these sort of chapters of the final chapter, mm. the resurrection, <laughs> the long big fight yeah. that will truly end yeah. it all. Uh, those the stories that are told by the titles of those films were magical yeah. to me as a little There's girl. Like, it's like I want to go on dead. this Freddy's stupid dead, journey. The final nightmare <laughs> has <Yeah>. a sequel, <laughs> and like, Jason goes to hell has a sequel. <laughs> Well, even like recently, there was Saw, the final chapter, yeah. which had Jigsaw t- two years later. <laughs> it's just something really funny about the endlessly rejuvenating nature yeah. of cinema. I think I really like it. Yes. Um, Quickly talk about the the reverse shots that have mirrored the first film. Yes. I, well, I wouldn't know. but Let, Let's do the film school bit. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, so in the original, there's a bit where Laurie's in the back of a classroom in a lecture about fate, and she looks out the window and sees Michael Myers. In this one, it's Laurie's granddaughter who looks out the window and sees Laurie. Mm. And then there's a bit at the end in the first one where she Michael Myers falls off a balcony, looks over the balcony, he's gone. This one, Michael Myers pushes Laurie straight out of a balcony, he looks over and she's gone. So she's replacing him in the shop, possibly yeah. setting up the sequel where, where she they take the mask Michael, off and it Mike, is yeah. Laurie is Michael Myers. I hope that happens. I don't. But <laughs> yeah, it's really... Bits. I mean, I'd forgotten as well how um, sort of unintentionally funny some of those reveals are where he's just standing there in the car park like a yeah. goober just in this mask like why are you broad daylight broad, broad daylight yeah. I think that's what's funny about it and it's also what's genuinely unnerving about it because yeah. he's not playing by the rules of the horror genre that says that he should be uh, you know, hiding um, behind a house in the dark he's just literally stepped behind a hedge for a minute at about 11am it's it, yeah there is a tracking shot on Halloween night yeah during trick or treat when he finally comes back to Haddonfield oh my word <laughs> this scene is so good it's good isn't it I love this so much um, like someone like uh, an Emmanuel Besky or someone like in a gravity when yeah. they're doing their 13 minute one take you like feel it building up they're like yeah. swinging their arms they're telling you how good they are um, and this you don't even notice for a while and it's just like it's a bit like it follows you know those unnerving yeah, shots yeah. walking down a street and initially you think you're kind of in this uh, just a, a normal tracking dolly straight point of view type thing. Um, and it's and then it starts to put these steady cam turns in and it gets a bit ghostly and a bit spectral and it's quite fun. Mm. Um, and then you realise that you're following Michael when he creeps into shot. And then yeah. he just goes around and around doing these fantastic kills, uh, avoiding the baby, all of that. And then you think the shot is done. It's probably a good three minutes. Yeah. Um, and then it rests on a window and you think because after all that movement the camera's then sat down it's done the shot is over and it lingers for a few seconds and then in the reflection of the window you see Michael go by and then he starts entering the house that the window is of oh fantastic just and I think the thing I like about that is that although as you say it's as complex as cinematography that like tends to win Oscars in, mm. in less genre type pieces um, it is on a par with that kind mm. of craft um, but I always really respect uh, cinematographers who continually work in horror and comedy in particular because they're sort of required to stay out of it mm. to a certain extent um, you're completely divorced from any idea of 
being scared or mm. laughing if the DOP is just in there going, look, look at what an amazing DOP mm, I yeah. am. So they have to both stay out of it and at the same time kind of give you your way into what is terrifying or what is funny about a, a particular shot. Well, in, in my own uh, definitions of research, I watched What Women Want this week, which was uh, shot by Dean Cundy. And Dean Cundy shot the original Halloween. Oh. Um, so like quite a versatile CV there. Yeah. Um, I mean, really working from one horror icon to another. The scariest thing he did is both of the Garfield films, of course. Oh, those films are terrible. <laughs> None of the actors in that film know how to like interact with something that's not there. So when they're like petting Garfield, it just looks so horrible and weird. Like they're just like petting air that someone's drawn over. Uh, another classic modern horror. There. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> screen my head off for the whole film. Um, yeah, so uh, go go check out Halloween in the cinemas uh, if you want something this week mm. uh, but uh, it's not the only thing you can watch you can stay at home and scare yourself silly with a new collection on Curzon Home Cinema can't you Sam um, yeah. what's this one called scary as f- I'm going to have to bleep <laughs> <laughs> someone's giving me work to do um, yeah this is a pretty fantastic collection actually um, we've got the original Suspiria It Follows Audition The Nightmare A Bay of Blood The Blair Witch Project Let the Right One In Nosferatu American Psycho Goodnight Mummy and The Babadook I mean that's a brilliant collection with some of the, like, the most acclaimed modern horrors in there. For me, The Blair Witch Project, the scariest film ever made, is in there. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't you wince at The Blair Witch Project. No, it, it is. It is scary. It is scary. It is scary. It is scary. Oh, it is sure. Scary. <laughs> it is scary. But do, I mean... It follows is a particularly good uh, partner, I think, for Halloween. Um, again, rewatching the original, it was like, I mean, arguably, it follows cribs rather a lot from Absolutely. Halloween. But, it's yeah. not, well, I'm not going to accuse it of being a ripoff, but uh, it's certainly it's, sort of borrowing I think it's uh, a, lovingly. Yeah, a loving tribute in some of the shots, like when they're the three girls walking down the road and it's this autumnal suburban neighbourhood. Oh, even I could pick that up yeah. from the new one. And but, seeing uh, the it follows is, I don't know what they're called, like the the standing on a Oh, all of that stuff that's yeah, very that's, Michael that's Myers very Michael just, just suddenly yeah. there the tall guy walking through the door yeah that's horrible a... <laughs> I mean yeah, that, that that is horrible yeah but, uh, yeah that yeah. is awful stuff um <laughs> No, this is a great one. American Psycho as well. That's always a great Beautiful. film. I mean, you've got a great uh, female-directed horror double in there. Do American Psycho and uh, The Babadook. Mm. Um, yeah, but I love American Psycho. I'm not sure if American Psycho should really count as a horror. It's I'm so sure. funny. Yeah. It's like it's, it's m- on the border. Think, yeah. Much more in that area of a hilarious satire that happens to have a couple of brutal kills in it. Yeah. yeah. And Goodnight Mummy. That was an early podcast episode. I believe. It was. Very that's a on. great. That's a horrible film. Yeah. Really good film. Sort of yeah. Michael Haneke-esque horror film. Ooh, lovely. I think the nastiest film you've got on that list is Audition. I mean, don't watch that unless you want something sort of really, like, genuinely quite horrible. Oh, God. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not nice. But so it's it... also got a lovely feminist subtext. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you, like, if you just marathon this over the weekend, you know, <laughs> I mean, by Monday, you're going to be quite a destroyed person. Yeah. Um, but what a weekend that would be. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. finish up with Blair Witch just to sort of soothe yourself. Yeah. yeah nice, <laughs> relaxing one. Um, so go and, go and check those out on Curzon Home Cinema as well, uh, seeing Halloween. And if you've got any thoughts on Halloween or any of the other recent releases uh, that we've spoken about on the podcast, that's stuff like Dogman or First Man, let us know by emailing podcast at Curzon.com and we can read those out on next week's show. Uh, but we actually just released a kind of special episode on London Film Festival. So that we was did. a nice little roundup. Yeah. Um, and so you get some preview review uh, chat uh, for what's going to be a lot of the films coming out in the yeah. next six months, probably. And as well as that, you can uh, check out a new episode coming up soon. Uh, 
uh, on the screening of the play Red. Uh, and so this was about uh, Mark Rothko and his Red paintings. Uh, and it starred Alfred Molina and Alfred Enoch. And that played in the West End over the mm-hmm. summer. And we were lucky enough to go. And you were lucky enough to speak to the Alfreds about the play. Absolutely, um, yeah. And so that screening's on the 7th of November. So you can still get tickets for that. Um, but if you want another a more theatrical edition of this podcast, uh, do search in your feeds for that interview. Well, it's about just Halloween, you know, red, blood. Yeah, there's Halloween. something there. There's something there. Yeah. Work did you get to call him Dr. Rothkopus? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did. I did. Yeah. I'm now joined by Dr. Rothkopus. <laughs> so that is Sam and Dr. Rothkopus <laughs> on the Curzon Podcast. Uh, and you can find more episodes of the Curzon Podcast on iTunes and Acast. Uh, and if you do find us there, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review or a comment. We would much appreciate it. Uh, next week we'll be talking about talking to Mike Lee about his new film Peter Lou. But that's it. That's it for our Halloween episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Catherine. If people want to get a bit more of your words, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Catherine Bray or on Instagram at Kath Bray. Actually, don't go to that one. That one's terrible. No, um, it is bad. And yeah. if you want to check out some other work, uh, a film I produced, Fear Itself, is on on Halloween on BBC Four. Uh, and Sam, if people really do want to hear some words from you. If they want to hear me talk more about uh, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, yep. I am uh, on Twitter at Sam Howlett underscore one. Great. And I'm at Jake H. Cunningham. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.